Hey everyone, just before we get into our conversation today, I wanted to tell you some really cool big news. Leave and I are writing a book together, and you can join us on the journey of writing it. The book is called Not Home Yet, How to Be Human in an Inhuman World. And as we write each chapter, we are publishing them over on our Substack site. The goal is to write our first draft over the next few months and then get people's feedback and thoughts and edit and rework a final draft to be published in the spring of 2024. If you subscribe on our site, you'll get each chapter delivered straight to your inbox. Now you can subscribe for free, but you'll only get short snippets of each chapter and periodic updates. If you want to read the full chapter contents, you'll need to become a paying subscriber. Or, if you become a new monthly supporter of Signpost N during our spring fundraiser that's happening right now, we'll give you full lifetime access to the book project, plus all the cool perks of being a paid subscriber to that project. Those perks include things like the ability to comment on chapters and provide us feedback directly, a free hard copy of the book when it goes to print, and a free t-shirt featuring the awesome hand-drawn Not Home Yet logo created by our good friend Isaac Griffin. Sound interesting? Well, you can join us by going to nothomeyet.signpostin.org to subscribe to our Substack. Or you could become a new monthly supporter of Signpost N and get all the perks of the project, plus the great feeling of being part of our incredible team of supporters. You can go to signpostin.org slash donate to start giving monthly today. Again, that's signpostn.org slash donate. Welcome to the Signpost In Podcast, a space at life's crossroads for a refreshing pause and a bit of reflection. My name is Brandon, and I'm really glad you're here. I invite you to join me and my friends, Matt and Peter, for a friendly back porch conversation about prayer, Christian spirituality, faithful theology, and much more. So pull up a chair, grab a drink, and get comfortable as we start today's show. And when we're done, don't forget to visit us at signpostend.org to find out more about all that our ministry offers. Peter, it is good to see you back on the back porch. It's been a while since we've had a chat. It is good to be here, Brandon. I'm always grateful to sit on the back porch and have a conversation, see where it leads. Yeah, thank you. Listeners, today, this is, we just thought we'd try to have this conversation. We've been batting this idea around in the office for a couple of minutes, kind of all morning, actually. And we're like, well, (laughs) let's record a podcast. It's the back porch. Because I've been thinking a lot lately, for various reasons, about what is what is the purpose of all of this? Like, what are we doing in the Christian life? What's the goal of Christianity in my life? And a lot of ways, Peter, that really strikes at the heart of our ministry. I think it strikes at the heart of every ministry. <laughs> what are you trying to accomplish if you are if you are trying to help people in the Christian walk? I suppose I confess that that's been it's been challenging for me because I don't want to be wrong. You know what I mean? And I have these voices in my head that tell me, here's the right answer. 
but I also have an affinity for a lot of different answers. So I guess let me start by tossing it that way. Peter, if we were to ask the question, what's the purpose of Christian life? What are we doing in this life? <laughs> what's your what's your initial thoughts and response to that? Or how do you feel about that? And then I'll come back and we can do it that way. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is a pertinent question, right? <laughs> it seems yeah. that if uh, we don't have some semblance of a direction, we're heading kind of what it means to follow Jesus then yeah, we'll feel rather aimless. And so, so yeah, that's, that's a big question though. And I can understand sort of, at least for me, I'll just express that. That can seem like a threatening question sometimes because it's like this shapes the rest of my life. And if I don't have it drilled down or if I shift my answer in the future, like I'm not, I don't have integrity or, you know, like all these things sort of change. It's, it's like, I can sometimes feel the pressure some pressure to have it figured out and a desire to like, I think a, a right desire to say, I want to, I want to know. And I, and I don't think we're left in the dark from God and from scripture. Like he, he does give us direction for our life. I yeah. think the, the complications come when, when I hear different emphases being placed on certain aspects of the Christian life and they're held up as this, mm-hmm. this is, this is the primary path we're called to walk. No, 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 this one over here. And, and I'll just confess, that was a lot of my experience of confusion in seminary, was learning about different branches of Christianity, different theological frameworks. And I wanted to come in to them, these different thoughts, and, and just clearly point, oh, that one's ridiculous, that one's wrong, that's unbiblical. But really, most of the branches of Christianity are not you know spreading out into these weird categories. They're just emphasizing particular parts of scripture and saying, we think that this is probably the path forward or, or the most productive way, the most right way of, of following Jesus. And so I struggled with that because I could understand, I could understand where they're coming from. They're not just like, they were pulling it from scriptures. And so it was confusing to have, you know, all these perspectives being introduced to me. And, and my feeling was, it was like, well, choose one, which one's right. And it's like, yeah, how, how do I do that? They, they all kind yeah. of make sense to me. And, and yet, and yet some of them I'm uncomfortable with, but I can't articulate why, like the emphasis over here makes me uncomfortable. And, and boy, I think that's a journey that I'm still on to be quite frank. I don't have it all figured out from, you know, my years in seminary. Yeah. Oh man. That's see, this is helpful to me to start here because it's, for me, the tension is between, well, one of the tensions I feel is the tension to be like academically correct and in the right crowd. Yeah, I want to have a very clearly defined, propositionally stated answer. What is the purpose of theology that, that I can feel really confident building everything off of kind of deal? Like, And so I really struggle with that because honestly, that's where I'm at now is like, I really strongly believe in some propositions about the faith. I have pretty strong convictions about doctrine, but my growth and the trajectory I'm on has not been in development of strong convictions about doctrine. It's been in experiencing the truth of those doctrines. Mm. You know, so it's, it's a, this is a topic that comes up a lot for us in our ministry. It's if I believe that Jesus loves me, well, for me, just knowing that is nice, <laughs> but 
but the goal can't be just knowing that. Right. And I think that's maybe that's the entry point into kind of where I'm at right now is I'm realizing that there are, there are, there are times in my life, there are places in which I have thought of it that way. Like, here's what the goal of this Christian thing is. It's to have correct knowledge about God. Mm. And I think there's some truth to that. I think part of the Christian life is to have correct knowledge about God. It has to be just like anything else. Part of the goal or part of the process, and see, maybe I want to change language there. Part of the process of of anything is having correct knowledge about it. If you want to play the piano, you have to have correct knowledge about the piano. Mere knowledge can't be the center. And that's, that's where this idea for me starts mm-hmm. to develop in terms of like a solar system. I think of what are we putting at the center and what orbits around that? And if the purpose of the Christian life is correct information about God at the center, then things like transform transformation or encountering God or experiencing God get pushed way out to the end. They even get sometimes totally pushed out of the solar system. I'm reading a book right now that I want to talk to the author eventually, but it's the, it's the Holy Spirit and Christian experience by Simeon Zoll. And he points out there's this dichotomy that has happened, this false dichotomy that's happened within modern, mostly Protestant Christianity. That's, a false dichotomy between like objective fact, propositional knowledge and subjective experience. And they, you know, we've sort of said like any subjective experience can't be trusted. And so we can't have it. And we should only have objective knowledge. He has a very sophisticated examination of that. But one simple observation is if you fall into that false dichotomy, first of all, it's impossible. You can't actually do mere propositional Christianity without mm. having exp- your own experience be a part of how you do that. Yeah. But second, that functionally pushes God completely out of the universe. Huh. Functionally, then, you have no God that you ever experience. He is merely a propositional statement. And if that and and that simply can't be true because in scripture, people are experiencing God all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, the word experience is very fuzzy. He has he has like three chapters devoted to defining experience <laughs> because it doesn't mean necessarily like mystical, ecstatic experience. But it does mean that, but it means a lot more. Your comments here are kind of reminding me, and I think this is a quote from A.W. Tozer, but he talks about how it is possible for a person to be as, I think the expression is, as straight as a gun barrel, theologically, you know, strict, defined, rigid, and and correct, but also as empty as one. So there's a purpose to all that theology and stuff, right? A gun barrel by itself doesn't do anything. And if it's empty, Mm -hmm. it's, it's basically a useless piece of metal. If there's no energy, there's no action, no life that it, no purpose for it. And I'm kind of hearing you express that of like, if knowledge is the center or the central thing around which everything else orbits, there's an emptiness there. There's there's mm-hmm. no, you said it, it pushes God out of the equation. There's no mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Would that be fair? I think that's right. Yeah. I have, uh, there's these, I, I kind of drew these little solar systems to help myself visualize how this works. 
And if you imagine the sun in the center of the solar system being having correct information about God, that's the purpose of this Christian life. We're just supposed to have the correct knowledge. Then, then some of the other things like transformation or proclamation or experience or slash encounter of God get progressively far out. And in fact, encounter like experience of God has no place in my, in that solar system at all. It's not even in it because I don't need to actually experience God himself or have a, have a direct encounter with him. If the main point and really what this is all about is me knowing correct facts. Now, that being said, I do think that there's a, there's a way of incorrectly placing knowledge about God on the system too. So like we tend to respond to this recognition that we're talking about by saying, Oh, okay, well then correct knowledge about God shouldn't really matter at all. Let's put it way out there at the end of the Mm. solar system and maybe even push it out. You know, what really matters is, some sometimes it's like what really matters is that our lives are being transformed. And that's kind of what I heard with the, it's possible to be as straight as a gun barrel, but also as empty. Like I, amen. I totally agree with that. But the, the flip side of the coin is then to be like, well, let's make sure the real point of this is transformation. Mm-hmm. Really what matters is you're becoming Christ-like, whether that means morally, behaviorally, or morally character, like your character is becoming more like Christ. But the way that I would tend is if I, if I'm going to go down that route, I would lean more towards the, your loves, your, your desires of your heart are being more aligned with God's desires. I don't think those two things are exclusive, Mm -hmm. but I don't think either one of them should be at the center either. Yeah. You and I, and just in the ministry, we've talked about this tension it seems like we're we're able to identify some of maybe the unhealthy extremes, which we do not want to go down. You know, I don't want to just place only knowledge at the center or only experience. We know that those are those lead us into ditches, so to speak. You know, they lead mm-hmm. us off the path. But the and so then the question is, well, how do we accurately just describe the path forward, rather mm-hmm. than just saying, well, don't do this and don't do that? How do we talk about Maybe the word is a healthy approach. How do we talk about the, the yeah. I don't know, if the, the right path, but how do we talk about taking active steps in faith towards God rather than just saying, don't place knowledge at the center or don't place experience at the center? Right. What does that balanced solar system look like? Yeah. I, and, and this is where I get, this is where I'm like, I feel like I'm on a personal journey of really being able to understand more of this and articulate it in a way that makes sense. But I'm constantly beset by the, any articulation I give, somebody's not going to like it. (laughs) Maybe even including myself. (laughs) (laughs) Or, and I readily confess that you asking that question tempts me one to answer it. Okay, here's the healthy way to do it. And two, gives me panic because I have in my head, I have in my head an audience of non-existent people who are extremely correct. 
and extremely judgmental who I've kind of really always trying to t- appease, <laughs> mm. but I no, I have the right answer here, I, but I didn't give a, you know, anyway. So I just say that by way of saying this makes me nervous to talk about. <laughs> well, I, and I appreciate that. And I think that's, I don't know. I, I think that anyone who ventures into explaining how, how they view life and their perspective on, on God and kind of, yeah, I do think that the central emphasis is, is this. If you don't go into that with some level of like, whoa. Trepidation, I, I, yeah. Tre- yeah, then then you're, I don't know, then you're an, an arrogant fool, perhaps. Yeah. And yeah. and so, I mean, yeah, to, to just say, if you had come back with the answer, oh, well, of course, it is this, and I know how it is, that, I don't know, you're yeah. probably not right. in balance. So now to just go where angels fear to tread, let's just, let me just give an answer to the question. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. No, but let me try, tell you where I'm at. Yeah. And this, um, is, this is the back porch. This is like, I mean, right. we... So, so much of, of, and maybe this factors into how, quote, our solar system works as signpost in, but so much of what we do is to, we, we want to open spaces for conversations mm. like this. We know that they're hard. We know that it's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on inside of us, fears and anxieties and worries. And, and yeah, we could easily just never talk about important things because they're hard. But this is, we endeavor for this to be a a space of grace and of exploration and of not attacking each other for our our ideas, but exploring them and and honoring them. So in in that vein, what, you know, (laughs) what what, do I think? (laughs) Yeah. Where, where is your journey led you and where are you currently in, in terms of understanding? Well, yeah. What's what, what, what is the solar system orbit around? Right. Or what's the sun, I guess. Yeah. So the two words that to me seem to be at the center, like what is this thing about? What is God doing in scripture to me? What is the church doing for me? What am I, what am I a, a, about in this world? The two words that seem to sit at the center for me are, are, are proclamation and encounter. Hmm. And I think those are two sides of the same coin. Like, I feel like those are two words that haven't been used that way very often that I don't, I don't see them being used that way very often as two words about the same thing. But I think in my view, they are because proclamation is, is a fancy word for what revelation is revealing to us. (laughs) What, what is God doing when he in scripture and scripture is what's its primary purpose. And I would say that its primary purpose in my my view right now is to forgive our sins, to preach the gospel, but not just information about the gospel. That's the difference. That's why proclamation is the word I want to use. You know, I read a book in seminary called Proclamation. Oh, what's it called? Theology is for Proclamation. There it is. Right. I read the book called Theology is for Proclamation, and that was very influential on me. And the idea is that you study theology not to just gain information, but that the information becomes crucially helpful in guiding saying the words of forgiveness to people. Mm. And that theology isn't just factual language. What it actually is, the gospel itself, the gospel Christ died for you and rose again, ultimately, especially within the context of the church, is language that actually does what it says. 
there's another book I've been reading called Theology the Lutheran Way, which has sort of set this language in in usage where he talks about language theory and there's there's language that's declarative. That stop sign is red. <laughs> that's a declarative statement. It just tells you a fact. And then there's language that is performative, that it does the thing that it is at the same time as being spoken. And the best example of that that we most have access to is something like um, the judge saying, not guilty. So that's not merely a declarative statement about a past fact. It is actually doing the thing that it is saying. When the judge bangs his gavel and says, not guilty, that actually is what makes you not guilty in a court case. It gets written down, but it is the declaration of the judge that does it. It is the, it is the judgment of the judge. And we're familiar with that kind of language. Another very familiar kind of performative language that we're familiar with is, is a promise. I promise to pay that bill. I promise to take care of you. I promise in marriage, I vow to cherish, etc. A promise is, is a, a form of speaking in which by saying it, we are binding ourselves. It is not just a declaration of a fact. It is actually the binding of ourselves to the thing that we're saying at the, at the exact moment that we say it. And so all of that to say, the analysis is that the proclamation of the gospel, your sins are forgiven on account of Christ, is simultaneously a declarative sentence in some sense and a promise. It is Jesus saying to you, I promise I have I've committed my righteousness as yours. You will be forgiven. This is a this is a thing I'm enacting right now. And so that shapes my view of what church is about. That shapes my view of what God is about in the world. Like he's he's very much about giving me a promise. He's very much about doing for me things actively now and here. But to me, that's also an encounter with God. I actually experience God in that moment. <laughs> mm. And I want to be careful about that word, but an emotional response to hearing the gospel is not required for the promise to be valid any more than if I were standing at the altar on my wedding day and I promised to my wife to be faithful and cherish her for all the rest of our lives. Would her emotional response to that be necessary for my promise to be valid? That doesn't matter at all, right? She could feel however she wants. But she is actually encountering me in that moment. Like that is me and her directly face to face saying something to each other. And I think scripture talks this way. It's through the word, by the Holy Spirit, that we experience Jesus. And I do think there is an emotional, there is the possibility at the very least of emotional engagement in that moment. And so for me, that's where the kind of connection between the doctrines and the, to use fancy language, affective result of those doctrines meet. It's not sufficient for me to say to somebody, Jesus loves you. For me, I want to find ways to help people have an encounter with that language that is more than just an intellectual assent. And then to wrap that up, 
I think from that experience, and I, to use that broadly, <laughs> having my sins forgiven via the promise of Christ through the, you know, the Holy Spirit convicting my heart, which is language that the scriptures use, and converting me to hear so that I can hear the good news is actually an encounter with the real God, with Jesus himself. I think having that experience repeatedly is what then transforms my life. At least in my own personal experience, that's where moral transformation has happened. And we can talk about that like more, like that's that's where really what's been changing is what I love, which then changes my behavior. But that's where it happens. It's not mm-hmm. it doesn't go the other way around. I don't transform first and then have these encounters. I have these forgiveness justification encounters and then I start to transform. I don't know. That's a lot of words. I hope that made some sense. So the two words that you kind of feel are at the center of your theological solar system were encounter and proclamation. Kind of yeah. understanding that theology, the the information that God has revealed to us in scripture is not there for knowledge, mere knowledge that we go, yeah, I, I know true things about God, but his word, his promises to us in scripture have effect on us. And he declares that we are forgiven. When we see Christ on the cross, that's not merely information. It does something. We, in a way, encounter God in that. And it's that whole experience of being proclaimed the good news, encountering Christ in his word of forgiveness and his love for us. That's the stream. That's the spring from which the stream flows that then comes life change. Then God changes my loves yeah. and and sanctifies me. He leads me to be a different person than I was. This is even where I am starting to synthesize like my, my mystical bent, <laughs> my desire for that kind of mystical experience of Jesus or of God or mystical union to use fancy language. But for me, that's starting to synthesize into it's not just that when I hear the words, your sins are forgiven on account of Christ. It's not just that that's information. It's more than that. That's actually Jesus forgiving my sins. And it's also a mystical experience of God himself. So it's not even just words. Like faith comes by hearing. <laughs> the Holy Spirit comes through word. And so in that moment of being told my sins are forgiven through, for me, the sacraments, then when I say it's an encounter, like literally it's an actual, like I've, I'm starting to synthesize that as being, it's a real encounter of God himself. That is the mystical unity that I'm looking for. And I can engage that with my emotions, with my body, with my spirit, with my head. And then there are other experiences or encounters with God that orbit around that or flow from it, but mm-hmm. that's that's where it comes from. That's like the, the font, like you were saying. It, it seems like maybe the balance I'm hearing is that as God comes to us, encounters us in a way through his, his word and that experience declaring us forgiven, his proclamation, it's like he welcomes a response of mm. emotions. Like, like I'm sensing almost like, what you're describing is like a permission to respond. Not that the response is the thing, but God comes to us and he's like, 
it, he says it's, this isn't just something for you to think about or, you know, to file away in your doctrines folder, but like, I'm actually here. I actually forgive you. And there's this invitation, this permission to, you said, engage in that encounter with my emotions mm-hmm. and, and body and, and embrace it perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that language permission or invitation to do so. Maybe, well, I mean, what comes to mind is the oft quoted thing I used to, or something I used to often think about was like, sometimes we've talked about, I've heard the Bible or the word of God talked about as like God's love letter to us. And great. That's good. I mean, I'm glad you know, if that's helpful to people, I'm happy. That's helpful. That should be. And I like that. But for me, that's always been just a little too distant. I don't want just a letter from God. <laughs> I mm. want God, you know, I don't want a letter from my spouse. I want her. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think that's the way I'm hearing what you're saying with permission. It's like, I'm feeling permission to say, yes, in the word of God, he, I don't have a letter. I have him himself. And it is kind of mystical, right? Like in that sense of a mystery, like how can God be present in quote unquote mere words or bread and wine? And when we talk about, well, by faith, like we see it with the eyes of faith, but I'm afraid sometimes that sounds like, well, wishful thinking. Mm. So when you say permission for me, that's even one step further. Now it's not well, I just have to believe that God is present. Rather, I have this freedom now to actually recognize it. I keep wanting to use the word experience it, but that's the only word I have right now. Maybe when I finish this book, I'll have better language. But I do think there's a possibility, permission, invitation to much more than just, well, I'm just going to I'm just going to say that this is an encounter with Jesus, even though it's really just words. No, I, I believe and feel as though I've actually encountered Jesus, like really present, whatever that means. We did have our young adults retreat last weekend from this conversation, and we were kind of talking about how we did that. And I think these kinds of thoughts were what was driving the structure of that weekend where you know, the stated goal is helping people bridge the gap between head and heart. And I think that's what this is kind of about. It's like, go from what I know to be true about God to, well, that's a real thing. And one of the pitfalls that I want to avoid is that becoming a command or a condemnation. Like, you believe this to be true, now act like it. (laughs) Mm. Which usually I think turns into... You believe that this Christianity thing is true. These propositions now conform your behavior. Mm. And what I want to do is say, what's centrally true is not go and sin no more. (laughs) What's centrally being taught in scripture as true is that Jesus, God, is deeply, personally, caringly interested in you. So much so that when he said, I'll never leave you or never forsake you, he meant that in a certain sense, literally. That when he said he would send the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not just a way of talking about God's desire. 
it's actually God. The Holy Spirit is God himself <laughs> present in us with us. And if that's actually what scripture is saying, if Jesus literally meant he through the Holy Spirit would be with us forever, then there has to be some experiential side to that encountering side to that. And I think that we, and I don't think we have to try hard to access that is my point. Mm -hmm. It's more, it's, more about having the permission to engage with that than working to make it um, possible or something like that. Yeah. I don't think we need to make it possible because it's an already present reality given to us by grace. And therefore it's not something I need to, adjust myself in order to to in order to gain it's more like i have it's more like i just have the opportunity and the permission to drop the defenses that prevent me from experiencing it the analogy that pops immediately into my brain is something along the lines of like go in colorado we go out for walks and the wind is nearly always blowing <laughs> and Unless it's blowing really strongly, you just sort of ignore it. But at any given moment, it's there. It's not not you know, it's not gone. I could I can attend to it. And I don't, you know, that's not a matter of me like cleaning myself up so that I can experience the wind blowing. It's more just like, here's a present reality that is currently happening. You have permission to pay attention to it or to experience it, to feel it. I can probably come up with a better metaphor if I give given more time, but that's what I have right now. <laughs> to circle back around, it's like, what's, what is the purpose of this life? I don't think there's a singular answer to that question. I think in some sense, the central answer to that question is to drop our defenses against God's forgiveness and love, <laughs> to receive God and be with him to receive his loving presence. But in that process, then God transforms my hearts, my heart and my loves and my desires and my behavior. And I gain good, true information about God and I love others, you know, and so is the, is the Christian life about being conformed to the image of God? Absolutely. It is. <laughs> it just may not, that's just not the that's just not the place I start. I don't start with like, you know what? Here's the thing I got to do first. Conform myself to the image of God. Transform my behavior. Is the purpose of the Christian life to gain accurate knowledge about God? Yeah, totally. And that supports my ability to experience God. I mean, we're doing it right now. We're trying to articulate accurate knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's important. But the Christian life is not reducible to that or even centered on that. Is the Christian life to love others as I love myself? Yeah. Yeah. But that's the second commandment. <laughs> you know, not and I, and I and I just mean that as being like it's not about trying to find the right answer as much as it is about trying to orbit these things in at their right levels. Mhm. Mm yeah, that seems to make a lot of sense to me at least. It's not a denial of these other aspects of the Christian life. It's just um how do we order them in a way that um it makes sense to me, makes sense to you? And it seems like you're saying the amen, <laughs> you know, we need, uh, we, we ought to be uh, concerned or, you know, interested in our sanctification. We ought to be interested in um, 
caring for lost souls, you know, and, and conversion and these other aspects of the Christian life. Like, of course, of course they're important, but, but they, they're not the center around which we orbit. And they also don't, and I guess uh, this just made me think of this just now, getting it in the proper orbit is not an intellectual exercise. Hmm. It's not about articulating exactly where they lie in which orbit. It's, it's like if, and this is going to sound glib, but if Jesus, if Jesus becomes the center of my Christian life and my experience, if talking to him, being with him, relating, which I kind of hate that word, but relating to him is central, then I don't really have to work really hard intellectually to figure out how all those other things fall into place. They sort of do because the natural gravity of the system will put them in their right place. Mm -hmm. Sort of like one of the problems I see with a lot of the, you know, it's sort of like how we talk about marriage. It's like if, if my relationship with my wife is central, like just not, not intellectually, if, if she's just important to me and, and my time spent with her, you know, I just, if, if she and I are important to each other, then the, the other things sort of fall into place from there without there being a serious amount of conscious effort. It's not to say that there aren't times when I think this analogy could be really useful because it's like, there are times when I need to be taught some specific kinds of information and skills. <laughs> Look, you need to think about buying her flowers now and then you need to, you know, I had to learn that it's important to her. If I do the dishes, that's, that's a really, and sometimes I do that, you know, I consciously set out on the, on the path of transforming my behavior so that I did the dishes more regularly. But even then that wasn't the goal of my marriage. My goal of my marriage wasn't for me to transform my behavior into being a dishwasher. I don't know. What do you think, Peter? Have we arrived anywhere useful? Is this a, is this a podcast we want to put out there? I think that a lot of this type of conversation people find relatable because we live in tension and some of the confusion and trying, I mean, it's just a part of our faith is to understand things and, and uh, we want to be in balance and, 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 you know, so expressing this is valuable. I think um, I, I was also just thinking as we, as you expressed, and I would agree proclamation is kind of central to the thing uh, to Christian life. So, so and, and I don't know, this is slight tan tangential a little bit, but like, how, how do we do that here in this episode or even on our podcast? Are we, are we proclaiming mm -hmm. here or is this, are we, you know, giving information and, and like I said, like we have acknowledged there's arenas, there's times for this and for that. And so maybe we don't need to do both, but it just sort of struck me as, as the thought of um, we're identifying proclamation as, Mm -hmm. the point of theology you know are are we theologizing right now in a helpful way is there any way that we need to kind of land this with a any sort of proclamation i don't know that's what what, what do you think about that i i love that question it challenges me a lot because because i want to be 
I mean, that's, I mean, honestly, Peter, that actually kind of cuts to the very heart of some of my fears, I think, because I don't know what I'm doing in this ministry if not trying to have people encounter Jesus as he, as the loving, forgiving, kind, good person that he is, but not just, not just those words, but like experience him like, right. okay, right. you know, like actually whatever the heck that means. But so maybe the best we can do in a context like this is just to extend the invitation, give that permission. Not that you need my permission, but maybe you, maybe people listening can experience a little permission to a little freedom that, that it's okay to take the risk and talk to Jesus directly and maybe experiment <laughs> with consenting to his presence in hearing him say, I love you in the word of God, or when we've said it here in the episode. So maybe I say it this way, listeners, I believe the truth for you is that Jesus loves you and has forgiven your sins, that he is deeply and intimately concerned about your life, and that you are central to him. And in in proclamation way of saying it, that's not a factual statement about God. Mm. I would invite you to hear that as God speaking to you. God saying to you, I am deeply in love with you. And your sin is not a barrier to my love. It actually draws my love. And I believe that's Jesus's word for you too. Mm-hmm. Draws my love to bring you back to a place where you are free from anything that would harm you. Your sin, other people's sins, the tragedies of the world. Yeah, amen. It's like in all of our conversations about what is the solar system of our faith? Jesus might respond to us and say, you are the center of my solar yeah. system. But whatever else is true, what you think about me, what I think about you is that you, I love you enough to die for you. And I want to connect with you and engage with you. And I invite you to bring your whole self to, to me and, and in some way engage with me, encounter experience me because I care about you. Yeah. Maybe here's one, another invitation. Cause this one is the one that I'm feeling currently that is challenging me mm. being bold enough, which sounds weird, but being bold enough to receive emotionally and spiritually and intellectually that God, the father, son, and Holy spirit smile on me that I'm centrally important to them, to him. And to refuse the voice that says, no, you're such a sinner. They couldn't, you can't, you can't say that. You can't say that God is really about me or about you. Yeah. Because actually my sin doesn't stop God from being that way. That's why God is that way. Cause he was, cause he sees how hurt I am. He sees how broken I am. He sees how willfully ignorant and willfully rebellious I am. And that's what draws him to be about me. He wants to rescue me and because he likes me. And it's the because he likes me part that I want to rest in. I, I, I mean, this is, I mean, just right here, right now, that feels like the invitation for me too. And, and I'm aware that like, I would say amen. And yet 
it is really hard to actually believe that. And like, and I think it's, we use the words of consenting and, and letting our defenses down. And like, that's, that's like the hurdle I am experiencing currently right now. Past couple of days, I have felt like I've been cranky and behaving poorly. And, and I, and I just, I don't know. I've got this sort of weight, which I would say, oh, you know, Christ forgives me. And I would say that, but like, I still live with the weight sort of, of like, I need to, I need to feel like, you know, feel bad for a couple of days to kind of get through this. Cause I've, I've been a real jerk, you know, I need to, I can't, it's certainly, I can't just, you know, stand back up and, and, and accept Christ's hand of forgiveness and just keep going. And, and that's in direct yeah. opposition to what I would say is true that, that, but yet here I am experiencing the, the tension of like, I, I know that's true that Jesus is far more willing and ready to forgive and pick me back up than I am even to ask for forgiveness. And yet here I am sort of wallowing and going, uh, I kind of suck. I, I don't want to get up or I, I don't think I can. And I don't yeah. know something about what you just expressed. Well, I feel that. that I feel that as that tension right now, like immediately my mind is like, okay, well, how do I order all those thoughts into an irrationally coherent and theologically accurate <laughs> statement. And what I really want to say to myself is that will come if necessary. But the most important thing for me is when Jesus, <laughs> here's the word of God to me. God is selflessly to the point of complete self-giving interested in me and in you and listener in you. That's That's kind of it. And here's the invitation. Receive that with you know a deep breath and a softening of your chest and a res- and a warmth in your heart that god god is not waiting for you but feels warmth of love for you for me honestly that changes a lot i've been resisting that <laughs> and that's my that's my struggle that's where i start looking for satisfaction and all other kinds of manners of places. But as soon as, as soon as I warm, soften my physical chest to that, it's like, well, that's what I want. And I think this is a mystical encounter, a direct connection with Jesus. Like I think Jesus is speaking to me and is putting his hands on me and is the Holy Spirit is in me, filling me. I do think that's actually happening. And it was happening before I was paying attention too. I just am now going, yep, this is a reality. Peter, I think we should end there. Listeners, I hope this has been useful. But more than that, I hope that you do experience an invitation to receive the reality that God loves you. Yeah, I hope that's happened for you. May the grace of Christ go with you wherever the road takes you. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Signpost In, a nonprofit Christian ministry dedicated to helping people connect with God and find direction. We offer spiritual direction, retreats, and lots of other resources like this podcast. Please visit us at signpostin.org to learn more. We especially want to thank our generous donors who support our work and keep this podcast going. If you've benefited from something you've heard on this show, 
please consider supporting us by making a tax-deductible gift at signpostin.org slash donate. That's signpostin.org slash donate. And thank you.